This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. Right down the hall here. Seems like a really nice building. It's quiet. A loving couple. It's beautiful. Look at this view. Oh, it's fantastic. A new home. Got your leash. All standard. It's official. It's official. Hey, where does this go? I don't know. I never got a key for it. Probably some old storage room or something. An old bed. Why would somebody hide this? I mean, it is weird that somebody would forget about something like this, isn't it? <laughs> would you happen to know if there were any murders that happened here? Murder? Not recently, maybe in the 20s. Do you believe in life after death? <gasps> Do you believe in the power of temptation? believe it could happen to you. Don't go up the stairs. Hello? I just know that something's here and I don't want to be here anymore. Don't open the door. Don't lie down. Don't close your eyes. And whatever you do, don't fall asleep. This nightmare has only just begun. Never sleeps. 
Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Howling at the Full Moon, where we cover everything and anything Full Moon, Empire International Pictures, and Charles Band-related goodness. And I don't know if we have a slice of goodness for you this evening, but we do have an oddity for you. We are doing 2002's Danny Draven's Deathbed. Not to be confused with the deathbed that eats people from the 70s, although it is kind of linked that way it says it's based on the 1977 film by the same name but it bears absolutely absolute no resemblance to that film whatsoever but joining me once again is my usual cohort and co-host in crime dustin hubbard how we doing tonight hey doing great thanks uh we're gonna we're gonna try, try to trudge through this one it's like it's like walking through one of those uh quicksand pits and hideous isn't it <laughs> uh, it's an experience i'll, I'll give it that <laughs> and, and i owe the experience all to you since you sent me a copy of this movie i don't i don't know whether to say the hell with you or thank you but no just kidding just kidding <laughs> thank you for sending that because you know as i said before in some of our uh previous messaging and texting back and forth i gotta thank you because i'm a completist and whether it's a good movie or a bad movie i want to fucking see it so thank you <laughs> Maybe I won't thank you by the time we hit the end of this review, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but that being said, we'll go right off into the IMDb synopsis, which is um, very short, but it's it's pretty much encapsulate what the whole movie is about. Uh, 2002's Deathbed is as follows: An evil entity sets its sights on a young woman, and folks, that is straight up what this movie is entirely about. Uh, an evil entity that is trapped in a bed that sits at sights on a young couple, pretty much not just a young woman, but a young couple. I mean, it's, it's just very, uh, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. Wouldn't you say that the, the plot and the, the story of this movie is, is no pun intended, but very threadbare. Yeah. There's not a lot to say, Plot-wise, and it's funny because that synopsis, if that could even be called a synopsis, is like the most generically flat, nondescript thing humanly possible. But, I mean, that's basically it. But yeah, the entity does seem to want more than just her. But um, Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it, it. I don't know why it says it's based on the 77 film by George Barry, you know, Deathbed, The Bed That Eats. I've seen that film. There's really no similarity to it other than a bed. Yeah, there's no real uh, similarity or connection whatsoever. And for the record, Full Moon doesn't necessarily remake films, especially remake films that they would had no involvement in uh, to begin with. This movie has literally no connection whatsoever to Deathbed, the bed that eats. Uh, I feel like that that's some false information that was probably put on there by someone else, maybe even someone involved with uh, the bed that eats. Cause maybe they felt like they got ripped off. I don't know. That's <laughs> possible. That's possible. This, this does genuinely have nothing to do with that though. There are two literally completely different movies and, and plots. Well, you know, and the thing is like when you send it to me, you know, you said to be prepared and I was prepared and you know, but I guess I wasn't prepared for how this it's not necessarily a bad film, but it's not a good film. It's just very blase, very boring. And considering, 
you know, the people involved, you know, with Danny Draven directing, Tanya Dempsey, Joe Estevez, Dookie Fleiswater in it, it it should have been better. It, it definitely should have been. It just wasn't. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not one of my um, more uh, loved Danny Draven efforts. I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, it's probably if I were going to rewatch any Danny Draven film, it would probably be on the lower end for sure. Yeah, if I was going to rewatch a movie by him, I would rewatch Ouija's a hundred times before I'd watch this once. No Ouija's, or even I mean, this is hypothetically this is actually the third Danny Draven film that we've covered because we've covered Ouija's and Horror Vision. Yeah. So yeah, uh, he's done I believe six, maybe seven movies for Full Moon. Uh, this was, I believe, his fifth, maybe fourth. I can't remember. Uh, but this is our third one that we've covered. But it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely not one of Full Moon's worst movies, but I don't think it's necessarily one of their uh, best either. Well, I mean, it's just basically, I, I, I don't feel like we have to cover this one uh, step by step as we usually do and do a deep dive because do, doing a deep dive in the in the shallow end of the pool with this movie is kind of what we would be doing. I mean, it's just a lot of weird, um, you know, softcore sex, black and white flashbacks and creepy shots of the bed and you know i mean i feel like they thought that the bed was the star the bed was the star of the movie i mean even uh oh what the hell is his name that plays jerry brave matthews you know he even says at one point like you know when he's shooting with the models in the bed because he's a photographer and he's he's telling them the bed is the star and that i think was <laughs> a euphemism for the movie itself which is ironic yeah and and you know the I know when they made this film they they shot in two specific locations they shot in a, a one of the very few brick lofts I believe that can be found in downtown Hollywood, um, and then they shot some additional stuff in a porn studio, like the the mattress photo shoots and. I know Joe Estevez's uh, office slash apartment, whatever. And I think maybe even the uh, psychiatrist's office were all shot in a, in a porno studio. That, 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 that seems to jive. That seems to, the, to, to go with the way I saw things. That's what I saw when I saw it. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, these look like low rent porno locations. Yeah. It's a, it's a great, it's a, it's a neat apartment. And I feel like, you know, like we haven't, covered it but the the apartment reminds me a lot of the same location that was used in hell for all i know it could be the same place but the the location that they shot uh, don't let her in in um yeah it did look very similar which is ironically similar in a way in that it's a very basic plot and there's not a lot of characters because in deathbed there's literally our couple joe estevez is like the super and it's kind of it like dookie as the ghost and the yeah and then the female ghost flapper female victim ghost and then like some randos like the the models at the at the mattress shoot like you know i think are a note because really the the only other one is, is the psychiatrist is the only character that's really got a predominant scene 
Yeah, I'll say that the the first the first mattress model was uh, London uh, De Leon, who Draven had worked with on Full Moon's Crips. So uh, she she'd worked with him prior. Uh, which oh, was, that was the other one you sent me, which I still have not watched. Urban <laughs> vampire film set in a gentleman's club. So um, that sounds a lot more interesting than the premise for this movie. Yeah. I have to say, there's more going on. I'll I'll say that, uh, and I think you know, London De Leon didn't really have a lot to do in this movie, though. She's a lot more to do in the other one, and uh, I believe the other. One the maternal model, <laughs> yeah, the, the mater the 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 matronly slash maternal model that he that uh, Jerry asked for. Yeah, at the time that was Joe Estevez's fiance and potentially maybe still now wife Constance Estevez. Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea they were even uh, an item. That uh, uh, says why she was in it. Yep. And you know what? There's there was one other full moon kind of, you know, uh, notable person in the movie because the orderly at the end was Rick or Ur- Rick Urban, who had been in some of Draven's other films as well. I recognized him. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah, like he had been in Dark Walker and I feel like one other one. I think he might have been in Ghost Month, a, a non full moon movie that Danny Draven had done. This whole this whole movie it's just it's, it's based on such a, a tired a tired ass uh, premise. I mean, like the the young couple that takes on an apartment, you know, slash or, and or house that has a secret. And I mean, like right from the beginning, they play very loosey goosey with the with the lease. And I was like, when the guy pulls out a wadded piece of paper that he smooths out and says, "Here's your lease," I'm like. My first note was like, maybe read that shit. Maybe read the lease and maybe inquire as to why there's stairs going up to a hidden room. And he's like, oh, I just never got a key to it. But there's a whole nother floor to the apartment and you're not going to be even slightly concerned that there might be something up there, which of course there was. That's definitely a concern for me. I'm someone that's very, um, I'm, I'm someone who's always very overly concerned with entry points and windows and things like that of my home. So you know, if I'm at home, even during the day, like all my doors are locked, like nothing gets left unlocked. You know, windows stay closed uh, at nighttime, windows stay covered. If I were going in to look at an apartment or a loft or whatever as a potential renter, and I was told, oh, well, there's this random staircase that goes upstairs and the door is locked and I don't know what's in it. Eh, no one gave me a key. I'd be concerned. I, it's funny because even in 2002, I feel like it was unrealistic for there to just be a random door and no one be concerned about what's behind it. <laughs> yeah, like, for instance, when my wife and I were looking at apartments, you know, several years ago, when we moved to the area that we moved into. We looked at a place that had a attic who, who the entryway to the attic was nailed shut. And all the windows were screwed shut from the inside, which just seemed to set off several alarms in my head. Like that to me is like meth house. Yeah, it's like nope, we <laughs> we are not we are not staying here. We are not staying at this apartment. But that is another story for another day. But the funny thing is, it's like you know, as far as this room is concerned, it's as easy as just calling a locksmith. 
or or busting the door down, which when Tanya Dempsey had heard the noises upstairs, you know, was like, oh, there's something going on. And he comes over to look like he he pops the door open pretty easily. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, so it's pretty easy that. to pop an old door like that off the hinges and take it off. I mean, it's easy sooner than that i know i know in the actual location that door actually uh opened up to the roof of the building oh really so, <laughs> that's room. yeah that's the funny. roof itself was uh a different spot but yeah but yeah, I, I just I, I, I do love that, the part when when she hears the screaming and the no- noise from behind the doors you know and she has that kind of shit your pants moment and she just decides to call the landlord. Don't you think if you heard somebody screaming from a room inside your house saying, help me, help me, that you would call the police first? I'm just, just saying movie logic, you know, doesn't that jive here. My first inclination would be to call someone of yeah, a higher authority, maybe someone with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, you I know, the police, maybe, bed. you know, maybe the fire department or something. <laughs> National Guard, something, anything, private investigator. You know, call Jack Death. He would have been on duty back then. Something, yeah. I mean, or fuck, at that point, you'd have gotten stuck with Joe Death, but... Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Even she's useful than Joe Estevez, though, so... Oh, yeah. I would, I, I, you know me, I have a complete, utter distaste for Transfer 6, but I would have much rather seen Joe Death pop up in this one than than, than Joe Estevez, that's for sure. We do get yeah. the one the one good line of the movie. I made a, a, a point here. This movie is filled with a lot of mundane dialogue. But I do love the line when he says, this door is shut tighter than a nun's ass. <laughs> like, how do you know, Joe? Just how tight is a nun's ass shut? I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. But then again, as uh, I've often said, Joe Estevez just looks like you took Martin Sheen and put him in a, a microwave for five minutes. Oh yeah, he they they look literally identical. If you closed your eyes and just listened to Joe deliver the dialogue, it's the same as Martin Sheen. So, <laughs> oh and boy, it's unfortunate because Joe Estevez can usually sometimes be such a great over the top or kind of like you know zany kind of yeah personality in your movie. Like they him and Danny Draven had worked together prior on uh, Full Moon's Hell Asylum. And, you know, he's like a, a really over the top zany kind of like TV executive in that. And, and he's good. He's really he's good in it. Fun. He's super fun. But like he just I guess he just doesn't really have a lot to do <laughs> in There's this. Not much to the script. It just goes from, you know, th- they go up and they find the bed. You know, it's obvious, you know, from the opening scene, you know, uh, uh, somebody had been strangled and killed on it. And it's, you know, our, our man, Michael Sanye, or, or where he's better known as Dookie Flyswatter, has done it looking very, very creepy. But he's he's not just, I feel like they got a bunch of great people together and just didn't know how to, to really, you know, utilize them. They had, you know, people like, I mean, Joe Estevez and Dookie Flyswatter and Tanya Dempsey, and they just didn't utilize them to their full potential. It just felt like it was just done on the fly very quickly, and it's just it's painfully obvious. And yeah, there's the the names in this movie. I do feel like aren't really utilized overly well. Like I said, like Joe just has nothing to do. He's the super. He doesn't really have any 
character. He he likes having a brewski. He has a really odd sense of humor, and he has a parrot. <laughs> so yeah, the parrot was more entertaining than anybody else in the movie. I know, and the maybe. parrot actually gets their own uh, gets their own uh, credit in the movie. Yeah, I know making the movie, they didn't like the parrot. It was apparently very difficult. And I know Danny Draven didn't want it in the movie. He thought that it seemed uh, pointless. He didn't really add anything to anything. But I mean, I guess it adds a, an additional touch to Joe's character. He, you know, he's a he's a pet dad, you know. But, yeah. uh, but the par- yeah. parrot's name is uh, actually has a credit in the movie as Maddie Moonbeam. Is the is the parrot's name, or is or is known as the talkative cockatoo? I, I thought thought that was one of the nicer touches to the movie. It added a little bit of uniqueness, a little bit of uh, you know, just kind of odd flavor to it. But you know, I mean, this movie is filled with one flashback after another, and every flashback is the same. I just I felt like they kept utilizing the same flashback of. You know, Dookie Flyswatter getting all choky, choky, and essent black and white S and M flashback with the uh, the ghost girl that's played by was uh, it Megan Mangum? Mm-hmm. You know, and those shots, those scenes are shot really, really well. It's just the bulk of the film that are not the flashbacks that just seem to be shot very, very quick and on the fly, like very cheap. This seems Ooh. very, very cheap. It's definitely. Of note to point out that this was a period for Full Moon where I believe a lot of their movies at the time were being shot on like mini DV to sell like they were being they were actually being shot on video and um, being film, you know, using a process called film look in post to try and make the video footage look more, quote unquote, cinematic, you know, um, well, I can't say much. I shot my first film on mini DV, so but I can't fault them for that. But man, it just ugh, yeah. just doesn't look good. It's yeah. There was a, I think a good portion of that uh, Tempe Full Moon collaborative era was a lot of DV type stuff. So I could be wrong, but they they if you go back and look at a lot of those movies from that era, they all have the same. Kind of that same look. They have the same kind of like image quality, yeah. Which I mean, it has it has its own uh, character, but uh, it's it's a it's a lower point yeah. in time for Full Moon, in my opinion. Though the yeah. the Tempe era did did reap some some good movies. This wasn't necessarily a Tempe co-production though, because J.R. Walter wasn't a uh, major producer on this. This was mainly uh, uh, marketed as a Stuart Gordon production. You know, uh, the, the proper title is technically, you know, Stuart Gordon Presents Deathbed. So, uh, and that's what surprised me with having Stuart Gordon's name attached to it. I guess I just went into it expecting a lot more. You know, I went, I went in with high expectations, and none of those expert expectations were really met, unfortunately. It's a lot of flashbacks and a lot of jump scares. There's yeah, a lot. a lot of jump scares, a lot of implied nudity, and bad, dirty mattress fucking that just <laughs> is very I mean, awkward. It is to note that the original script for it was apparently very, like, late-night Skinamax level. Oh, yeah. Uh, Definitely. Con- but Tanya Dempsey was not 
one of those types of scream queens that did that kind of thing. So, you know, she would do sex scenes, but she would not show uh, any skin. So I know even in the scene where she's kind of like they find the bed and she's, you know, leaned over, you know, at the bed and Joe kind of has that weird reaction because he's like, I don't know, he he even seems like he's maybe having a reaction from the ghost at that point because he's looking yeah. at her. He can see straight into her blouse with her dangling breasts. Uh, and he has this weird freak out moment. He's like, I gotta go. And he like <laughs> like rushes out. I know even in that scene, she taped her breasts to her shirt so that they nothing would fall out or be yeah, seen. Yeah, it was it was kind of painfully obvious that she had like a, a quote unquote no nudity clause. And I, and I but I mean, that, not not to fault her for that. I mean, that 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 if you don't want to show nudity, by God, you shouldn't have to. But it was just really weird because they had all these very. Her character is Karen, and her fiance slash boyfriend or whatever character Jerry just have a lot of uneasy, uncomfortable sex scenes that just aren't very. They're not very sexy at all. And the, and the funny thing to note too is is that they start out with her being very like. She only likes missionary. She only likes to just lay there and be fucked. She doesn't like to do any work or be on top, which was apparently a, a big uh, upsetting point for Jerry. <laughs> uh, I think at one point she says she doesn't like that because it hurts. Yeah, she does uh, say that. And, and then they have that long, long conversation that goes on for like 10 minutes. It was like, well, if I'm hurting you, you know, it's okay if you hurt me, he says to her. And it's just very <laughs> strange. I mean, I'm, I am not kink shaming at all. It's just a very weird exchange. He, it, it makes his character, especially later when she ends up, he's like, oh, see my psychiatrist. Because <laughs> apparently he had a psychiatrist. So he takes her to see this random psychiatrist who randomly is into hypnosis therapy. And randomly hypnotizes her in like three seconds, and she like remember <laughs> that she had, I guess, a, a sexual abuse trauma as a child. And then when they go back to the apartment that night, too, he's like, they're talking about it, and he's like talking about her being handcuffed and that stuff. And then he like starts to put her hands up, and it's like he wants to reenact the the abuse that she had as a as a right yeah not very sensitive and not very caring at all and granted that could have been the influence of dookie at the time because dookie flyswatter's character who i want to say even in maybe even in the script was called the fat man uh the you know i think in the credits he's maybe just ghost but like the um His character influences both of them. because yeah, It kind of has influence on all of them. I mean, like you said, even uh, Joe Estevez's character included. Yeah, there's, there's instances where each person feels like they've been influenced by him or been inhabited by him briefly. So, And we really get no sort of backstory to who his character really is who the ghost girl is they're just credited as ghost girl and ghost man you know it would have really helped if we would have gotten some backstory it would have like it just would have helped <laughs> if there had ever been you know 
God forbid, you know, like a deathbed two, you know, they could have explored that more. Uh, But, you know, they never, never did. So, uh, and at this point, I don't think that Dookie could do that. So, yeah. And uh, if there's, you know, there's uh, so many movies, there's hundreds of full moon movies that I would rather see a sequel to. And to be quite honest, this is not one of them. And every movie, you know, Charles Mann has said every movie is basically like a pilot. If it's successful enough, they they will want to do a sequel to it. But, you know, this is just one of those ones that, you know, was a one off. You know, I don't know if maybe even at the time if there even was much, you know, there to even do, you know, consider a sequel. Right, for. right. And I mean, the ending is pretty final. I mean, it does kind of leave a little bit opening open for an ending with Karen's character, but there's not much. There's not much in the way of of, of sequelitis with this one. This would not be one that we would cover on sequel two deja vu. Never. There is some neat effects at the end. I think when you know, uh, kind of goes back and forth between like Dookie inhabiting Jerry and not kind of thing, and then it's Dookie, but he has like the fake face on him. That they yes, when he when he goes in, when she goes to dig her fingernails into his face and pulls it off, and it's it's Dookie's face underneath Jerry's. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a cool effect. I, I will give you I'll give you a point for that one because that one was was pretty good. But man, yeah, a lot of the effects, a lot of you know, a lot of it is this you know pl- padding the movie out with things like scenes of people brushing their teeth. Scenes of people taking a very long, drawn-out shower. Scenes of people drying their hair. And it's not even until 50 minutes in. I checked the time because I paused this movie and checked the time on it several times just to see how much there was left. Because I was like, this movie's taken forever. It was exactly 51 minutes in with all the shit that's been going on in this in this apartment. With all the different visions and her thinking the bed is possessed and there's spirits there. Before... Her, or she does a web search to find that there was any kind of murders going on, you know, in the early days of the internet, even then, you know, she, she, the very high tech 2002 web search. Oh yeah. The very janky looking websites and sending that message to like, I don't even know what that was. If that was like some kind of like message board site where she posted trying to look for murders in the twenties on that, (laughs) you know, and, uh, yeah, and like I, her, I do, her giant desktop computer. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, that is great. I do love it when she asks Joe Estevez, she's like, do you know if there were, you know, are you familiar with the murders, you know, going on in the building back in the 20s? And he's just like, how old do you fucking think I am? Yeah, which you which know? was a funny, funny point, too, because nowadays, like, if you were curious about that, you could just go online and look that shit up yourself. You don't need to, like, have someone... It's not like a case where you need to hire a private investigator to go find you some information or something. You can just dig that shit up yourself. You don't need yeah. you don't need you can literally whip your phone out. You don't have the need of a desktop or a laptop. You just type in your phone and like say the address and say, were there murders here in 1973 or whatever? It, it It's kind of funny when you see movies that are trying to utilize uh, technology in a way like that, you know, from the, the late 90s or the early aughts, you know. Yeah, it's, I think from a filmmaking standpoint, it is very much always a bad decision 
to overly feature or utilize new technology in your film because if the technology evolves quicker than you expect or becomes obsolete it makes your movie look dated that much quicker yep i think we kind of had that same uh discussion with horror vision which thankfully yeah but thankfully though that movie is leagues and bounds leagues and bounds better than this like it makes me think like you know um, you know, when we're recording this, um, it's two days after Halloween and the newest paranormal activity movie had just come out a few days ago on Paramount Plus. And I was speaking to a filmmaker friend and, you know, they were discussing some points about the other previous installments. And they were talking about how in part four they were using like the connect game playing deck <laughs> or yeah. whatever as a as a means of camera to capture footage and i'm like oh yeah and the connect who remembers that (laughs) (laughs) nobody uh, people people who made paranormal activity for that's who remembers the connect because i don't think like that's not even been a thing for ages it's it's been a thing for years yeah and that's why when when you watch things like you know say like an earlier transfers movie and you just make up tech that's smarter because you don't have to worry about it being obsolete you know that's why when i watch like you know the the movie you hate for me to <laughs> always bring up but like when you watch transfer six and it's supposed to be like <laughs> 2400 and something you know and it's like jack death's daughter and she's sitting at her giant desktop computer and i'm like <laughs> no <laughs> like no or you watch like you know the total recall and they're using videotape in the future you know it's just everybody's gonna have a vcr in 2347 you know thankfully ebay will still be around so you can buy old models (laughs) (laughs) it's the only place you're getting from but yeah the websites in the movie will look very very janky and they look suspect (laughs) it's just a product of the time i guess because i was still very much the baby baby years of the internet so Nobody really knew what the internet would become by uh, 2021 uh, and beyond. I mean, I guess we can't really fault them for that, but. Yeah, you didn't know what it was going to be. You know, we hardly knew what the internet was at the time, let alone what it would become. Correct. So. Yeah, like what you had mentioned earlier, one thing I want to touch on when they go to the random, the random psychiatrist, the the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. that does the hypnotism. On Karen, I made a note here, <laughs> and I'm really not trying to poke fun with this lady because she's kind of the the poor person's Lynn Shay, you know. She just uh, just looks a lot like Lynn Shay and is doing her best Lynn Shay impersonation. You know, it was painfully obvious. But it's like, yeah, let's go, let's go see this random hypnotist, and she does the whole thing where she says, "I don't." Uh, she says, "You know, we're going to count to three to fall asleep," and I'm like, "I don't need to count to three to fall asleep. I'm just going to keep watching this movie. I will fall asleep, you know, <laughs> in no problem." Yeah, I thought it was very. She was. What was she doing? Just dangling like a like a crystal or something in front yeah. of her. Yeah, and just like I count to three, and I'm like, "You only need to three, like." There's not like a more complicated or like, you know, thought provoking process to put put her into the the trance, but there wasn't. It worked and found out all the backstory we needed to know about Tana Dempsey's character. So, you know. Yeah. 
But and the, you know, and it's definitely to note that the actress who played the flapper ghost was the original choice for Karen. Oh, really? See, I, I did not know that. And then Tanya Dempsey uh, came onto the table, you know, as as potential talent. And she was, you know, probably, you know, having done casting myself, Law of Averages stated, you know, she is the scream queen who has, you know, X amount of, you know, titles out in mainstream. Fans know yeah. her. She's been talked about in the, at the time had been probably featured in things like Femme Fatale's magazine and things like that, you know, and had already been in a handful of full moon movies at that point, like Shrieker and uh, Draven's Hell Asylum. Hell Asylum. Now that's one we haven't covered that we need to cover because that is one of my, like, it's a low key film, but it's, one of my favorites. Hell Asylum, a.k.a. Prison of the Dead 2. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, she'd already been in movies like that, and even Witch House 3, Demon Fire. So, you know, she was already had a very much working relationship with Full Moon. So, I mean, she was even the, the lead in the other movie that almost became a Full Moon, Witch House 3, because before Witch House 3 was made... Full Moon was going to buy a, a film from producer Dave Sterling called The Coven that actually starred Tanda Dempsey. And they were going to purchase it for X amount of money, pay like 10 grand to film look the product to make it look more cinematic, and then retitle it Witch House 3. Because Witch House, it's funny to look back today because nobody really talks about Witch House, but Witch House was one of the premier franchises at the time like it was one of the hot properties and they needed a, a part three like yesterday so she was I did like the witch house series i thought the witch house series were was pretty legit yeah i thought they were really good films uh, uh, two being my favorite but two is one of the best full moon movies ever made but uh, <laughs> yeah so she had she had been in yeah. Witch House 3 and the one that was gonna be the fake Witch House 3. So Full Moon already had a, a very much working relationship with Tanya Dempsey, so it just made more sense. I would I would presume to make her the lead. They could put her on the front of the box, sell her as the star. And you know, they they decided to, you know, they kept the other actress on too and just had her do the the flapper role. And I know she was obviously, you know, you've seen the movie way more okay with doing the more graphic nudity right content. right yeah that with the flashback stuff with uh they still, their, they still got their 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 nudity quotient with her at least was, but even the the nudity you know i mean well whether it's a selling point for somebody or not you know the the nudity just didn't sell the movie the the nudity was very low-key the 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 gore was very minimal and low key. It just felt like they padded it out with, like I said, a lot of fluffy flashback scenes, a lot of fluffy dialogue. I mean, even when they, like for instance, like the the one of the big main deaths is when you find Art, uh, Joe Estevez's character. They find him in the ba basement. I knew he was dead the minute Tanya went into the basement or yeah. went into his like downstairs uh, apartment when he, she goes down there and it's like. What's up, kiddo? And I'm like, that's not art. That's the fucking, that's the parrot or the cockatoo. I knew it. Isn't it funny to think that when I say that this movie has a body count of like five, doesn't it baffle you to think that that's actually true? Because it feels like almost no one dies in it. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it is baffling because almost everything happens off camera. The, yeah, the, the the models kill at the beginning is so low-key. Then you get, like, the flashback of, like, the uncle character dying in the car crash. I think it was the uncle that might have molested Karen. Uh, right, right. It's totally in a car crash totally stolen from Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak, mind you. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> Joe Estevez dying off camera. And then uh, Jerry eventually, you know, getting his face bashed in and now then, i got a question for you who do you who do you think killed art who do you think killed joe estevez do you think it was jerry or do you think that parrot just pecked half his face off ah uh, it's it's, it's, it's left it, up in the air i really don't think it makes a lot of sense that he was dead truthfully because i don't think either of them seemed like they were too overly um, overcome by the spirits enough to be like full on possessed and commit actual murder. Yeah, unless, at least not at that point. Not at that point, they weren't. The fat man himself, maybe just his ghost. I don't, you know, I don't know. The, the ghost isn't. The ghosts aren't utilized enough in this movie to me to fully understand what they're capabilities are you know what i mean like does the fat man need to actually be possessing a person's body to kill someone or can he just do it as a spirit you know so yeah uh, it, i don't know i really i i was a question for danny draven i guess one day i i was <laughs> yeah ask him or i don't know um ask joe <laughs> isaac i think was the screenwriter maybe he knows <laughs> So, maybe maybe that was like maybe that was a uh a cut scene that we'll never never see maybe you know the funny thing is is I know that because of budgetary reasons and and time timing that I know that loft was really expensive to rent and the the porno studio that they used you know was had had its own price tag so I think this movie if I remember correctly was shot in 8 days 6 eight, days yeah <laughs> 8 days and for 35,000 I think I read the budget was yeah I think the budget was like 25ish and then you add in the post 10k for the film look cuz film look was not a cheap process <laughs> which oh, yeah, is funny. not back in 2002 it wasn't such a bafflingly odd thing to like think that people used to actually pay for that uh but i mean it was it was the time period and uh a factor in the formats that you know you had to shoot on i think he i think draven had kind of rallied to try and shoot this on film too and it was kind of vetoed and you know like now you're doing doing video because it's just it's cheaper so <laughs> and then spending more money on like the the you said the doing the post film look which i think they could have solved that just by shooting on film but imagine shooting on film would have been much more expensive than doing the post-production film look on it true and i mean yeah it's yeah it's one of those difficult i would assume for the time like you know one of those touchy um producer decisions where you know any any filmmaker in their right mind will want to shoot on film, you know that's what cinema 
is. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, oh hell, yeah. I'd I'd love the chance just to shoot on film just one time in my life, but it's you know it's not it's not the same as video or even uh, digital or HD or anything like that. So film is just it's a whole other you know pinnacle to to get to. So, but this this movie did not have that. that <laughs> Didn't does not it wasn't that kind of movie. It just wasn't that kind of movie, right? Not at all. Not at all. So you know, and speaking, that's fine. So speaking of like things that is not that kind of movie, what kind of couple like with Jerry and Karen, when they find the dead landlord, they just stick around. That they're not, yeah. not, they're not one for making uh, smart decisions. They they pull an American horror story, you know, where there's murders happening in the building all around them, and people are dying and weird shits happening, and they just stay. Yeah, and, and I want to point out too that you know, with with that short budget, that low budget, and a lot of the shooting restraints with locations and the short short shoot schedule, I know a lot of stuff had to be cut. And I th- I've wondered if something that got cut was they find Art's body with Maddie Moonbeam <laughs> and. <laughs> Old then, Maddie Moonbeam, the MVP yeah. of this movie right here. Well, give him his own spin-off Moonbeam film. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, see what you did there. I always I always assume that's where his name probably came from was the Moonbeam. Oh, Beam me too. Label, but uh, <laughs> they they find his she finds his body and then it cuts to them after the fact coming back to their loft and they talk about how you know, the police want them to stick around, yada, yada, yada. So the, the police, they had already called the cops. They had already came and removed the body and talked to them, and they just didn't shoot any of that. Yeah, they just skipped over all that. We're just led to believe that it all happened. They took the body out, and we're just after the fact, and they're just going to chill in there, even though he just got killed downstairs by something or someone. Yeah. Which but seemed... The- Seemed weird to me. I'm I'm very much a viewer for uh, stuff that I have to see. Stuff I don't know. It's if I'm very much like that person. It's like I want to see someone like walk out the door, or I don't feel like they actually left. <laughs> like, like right, yeah, same. If they didn't pick, you didn't see them pick up the phone and call the police. It just didn't happen. Yeah, because I mean, and you know, I've I've produced a, a lot of my own material and stuff, and I've I've had arguments with camera people who've been like we, we don't need that shot and i'm like i didn't I didn't ask you if we need the shot i told you i want the shot so right <laughs> set it up and shoot it and, all, and i've i've literally had had them had you know like dps you know especially one specifically get very kind of vehemently like pissy with me about it and like we don't need that it's implied and i'm like i don't like things to be implied i want to visually see x person walk out the fucking door or i want to see the car drive away the end i'm not asking you for your opinion on it <laughs> like I, I'm <laughs> I need to see it i want to see it i don't like things to sometimes things to be implied you know when it's something more you know deep can be cool you know like say you know how we were kind of discussing the ending of you know the resonator you know right right 
then you know they imply what happens and then you can just kind of draw your own conclusions but like with stuff like this i i want to see it so it was just very awkward to me that you know they find art's dead body and then it just cuts to them like later that evening after the fact and the body's been removed they've been interrogated by the cops and right it just cuts to the scene where jerry but it's like hey acting real weird and like i want to make you some hot chocolate drink the hot chocolate i know how it calms down is this yeah it's like okay back back to business uh let's go upstairs to the the haunted loft <laughs> so and and another thing i know karen was extremely distraught distraught in that uh in that scene but um don't don't jerry was clearly had something going on don't drink the hot chocolate there's some shit in that it's definitely it, it some shit going down don't drink the hot chocolate a lot of instances of just really stupid character behavior which i know is it's like a film thing like you got right well yeah because if people acted smart the movies would be let's face it in a lot of these movies if people did smart things and made smart decisions the movies would be very short yeah we'd, we'd have nothing but short films and features it would cease to, <laughs> especially especially in the horror genre because like people just characters just make the dumbest decisions and when stuff like that starts happening in a movie like this yeah definitely i'd be like time to pack up and fuck off because i'm not in the haunted loft with dookie fly swatter haunting my fucking attic <laughs> yeah and and a dead joe estevez with a squawking parrot down down in the basement right fly swatter is not the fucking face i want to wake up to in the middle of the night while i'm in in my haunted bed so <laughs> uh would you agree though that at least the last probably 10 minutes of this movie is worth it like the the last 10 minutes of this movie really like give you everything that gives you everything that you want like i felt like this movie if you were to cut an hour out of this film and just had a 30 35 minute short it i would probably come in at twice the rating that i'm, I'm not coming in very high on it as if you can't already tell but like i would probably double my rating if it would have been a short film like it's, the last 10 to 15 minutes comes together it, although it doesn't really make sense the last 10 minutes to 15 minutes is very exciting i'll give yeah. it that much it's a movie that is very much it feels like a lot of filler content like we said it's a lot of just flashbacks and jump scares and sort of like pg sex and it's a lot of just filler and runtime patter until the the backloaded ending yeah because when we had the face-off part like that part was I, I was like i cheered a little bit for that i'm like all right like something actually happened mm -hmm. yeah the ending part is actually uh a pretty good climax and you know it's funny that you would say that it would probably be a better short film because um this movie was i believe there are two films i've never watched them but there are two two films that are compilation anthologies of danny draven full moon films called dead time tales i believe they're available last i had seen they were they had been available on amazon prime uh, to view they're basically edited down 30 minute short versions of danny draven full moon films in three furs so you've got three three features cut down to 30 minute shorts and they're put together as a quote-unquote anthology 
So the very first Dead Time Tales actually did feature a shortened version of Hell Asylum, Dark Walker, and Deathbed. So there is a short film version of this that could actually probably play uh, better. Yeah, I would I would imagine it plays a lot better because it's just some of it just seems so superfluous. It just it's just more of the same kind of thing over and over again. Tanya Dempsey looking very distraught, you know, looking at stuff, trying to draw, having flashbacks, waking up, eating, drinking hot chocolate, having very lackluster sex with her boyfriend. Rinse, repeat. And <laughs> You know, like I said, I'll I'll repeat, I've never watched the Dead Time Tales uh, anthology. I think it's funny that they exist because Full Moon has done anthologies like that where they edit their own films down and make newer anthologies of three existing shorts cut together as an anthology of quote-unquote new shorts. (laughs) But these aren't Full Moon movies. Uh, <laughs> other two movies in the, the Dead Time Tales, one like Hell Asylum and Dark Walker, those movies actually have a lot more content and things happening. Uh, you know, so, yeah, Hell Asylum is pretty stellar. I love Hell Asylum. Hell Asylum's fun, and I don't know if you've seen Dark Walker or not, but Dark Walker's no. fantastic. It's a it's a fantastic like uh, haunt, you know haunted house attraction film. Uh, I've heard good things, but that's, that's again one on my short list that I just haven't seen yet. Produced, produced by and starring Joe uh, Chuck Williams as the Dark Walker. So really, it's, <laughs> it's an incredible movie. But those those movies have a lot of stuff happening, though. You know, so I think that shortened versions of those would actually uh, take away from the film because you're gonna lose some good stuff, like. A shortened version right. of Deathbed might work better because, yeah, like we said, there's just not a lot of content. And it's no detriment to anyone, but I think that, you know, as a viewer, as a B-movie fan, as a lover of Scream Queens, you know, I think that someone, having someone like Tanya Dempsey in the lead in this movie does help hold my yeah. attention. I think if it had been someone else, like, nothing against the flapper actress, if it had been her instead... I might not have had the same interest because I do love Tanya Dempsey, you know, same, same. Uh, she did keep me sticking with it to the end, you know, and I mean, I do like Joe, Joe Estevez. He is not great in this one, but he's, he's always fun, but like Joe gives to the film, you know, uh, yeah. he has, I don't think he even, and this is an understated performance by him, but I don't think he knows how to like, phone it in you know what i mean i don't think he ever just shows up and does it he's always good um yeah exactly i would agree this is just a you know less for him to do type of role you know so he doesn't exactly crazy eyes and scream a lot which is like when i see joe estevez that's what i want to see joe estevez do (laughs) you know so yeah exactly you want to see him be crazy kooky and wacky you don't want to see him be subdued yeah and you know now that i'm thinking about it joe estevez has a very you know deep history with full moon too because he wasn't in just hell asylum he was the big cojone uncle bud in beach babes one and he oh, also right, was yeah cameo in uh david dakota's blonde heaven aka morgana 
I have not seen that one. Good. Where um, interesting. It, it's def- <laughs> it's definitely of note to watch for his his cameo for one because he plays a guy who hires one of the prostitutes, and he wants to have a tryst with her while uh, role playing uh, in full mummy costume. Oh. <laughs> okay. So he's got, so he's got a very specific kink going on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> never, never heard of before or since. I think, but uh, it does have. You know, it's got cameos by like Michelle Bauer. It's actually has Julie Strain as the lead. Monique Parent is uh, supporting in it. It's oh, got a, Julie Strain. Rest in a, peace, Julie. Got a really powerful B movie cast. Um, but you know, but unfortunately. Or saw the light of day on Paramount Home Video though, because that they'd already broke by that point, and movies like Blonde Heaven and Beach Babes two all got dumped to late night Cinemax before they made their VHS debuts. There you go. But hey, Cinemax needed movies back then. You know, you can't fault them for that. <laughs> that was of that was of specific note too. But yeah, Joe Estevez has been you know. Back and forth with Full Moon for a good number yeah. of years. It's just He's probably, a Full Moon alumni. I think he counts. I think I would just be more apt to rewatch some of the others again before I would watch this. So yes, I think I can sum this movie up, especially the ending, in three things. It's it's a face off. We got the face literally getting pulled off via Nick Cage slash John Travolta style. Also made a note: Tanya can't swing a hammer to save her life. It literally. <laughs> Can't swing a hammer to save her life. And by the end of this, uh, Karen's brain has gone dipsy fucking doodle. She has just literally lost her mind. She's in the asylum getting getting ready to be. It reminded me of, like the scene in Terminator 2 where the uh, where Sarah Connor is getting assaulted by the guard. He's getting ready to assault her and then she just tears into him and kills him. And it's obvious that she's still, you know. Well, when it, it when she, he's getting ready to mount her and she turns into like Dookie Flyswatter in the middle of it, but I think uh, I <laughs> what's that? That yeah, that's not what I want to see. No, <laughs> I don't, wanna see I don't think anybody wants to see that. Sorry, Dookie, love you, but nah, we don't want to see that. <laughs> well, that being said, I think we've. Uh, we've kind of torn into this movie enough. I don't know. There's really much left to, to, to discuss, you know, or to dissect, but that being said, let's give our quick, uh, summary and rating on this. You know how we do around here rating on a scale from one to 10, sir. So deathbed is a unique film, I think in the full moon library, because it's more ghost related, which I think makes it, you know, a little unique uh, with the ghost hunting slash possession type stuff kind of veers into non-full moon territory, I think, where you start to veer into the non-Charles band type of approach where it ends up feeling like people on people violence, uh, which he doesn't overly uh, support. Yeah, so, he doesn't doesn't really uh, do that person on person kind of violence yeah. in, in his movies very much. Definitely not. So in that respect, this movie feels very much like a like a not full moon movie. Uh, I think it would have felt more like a full moon movie if, at the risk of sounding silly, 
if the bed itself become a character and came to life and did stuff, you know, <laughs> I think it would have more of a full moon vibe, but then it would become a different kind of movie. This being um, produced, executive produced by Stuart Gordon. They obviously wanted to go with a more, you know, true horror angle, which is fine. Yeah. You know, too many true horror films from full moon. There's usually some level of camp attached. So when yeah, it's those, usually some sort of camp or some sort of science fiction kind of aspect to it. So when, when you get those moments, I mean, I think those are moments that should be, you know, fairly appreciated uh, to a degree because that's not necessarily something they usually do. Um, Tanya's a good actress. I think she's serviceable in the lead. I just think she doesn't have a lot to do. Um, and, you know, uh, Brave Matthews is okay and i don't think anyone's necessarily bad in this movie i think just some of the names like her and joe estevez and even dookie because dookie's barely in this movie they're just not utilized um no no they're not yeah they're not utilized in a way that i would prefer them to be uh but the location is great the bed looks cool there's some you know neat little effects of like the bed bleeding and things like that and and the effects at the end the makeup effects and shit by like uh, Mark Bautista are very, very cool looking. Unfortunately, there's just very little of them. Um, I don't want to hate, but there's just not a lot to love. I don't think. Um, I don't. I don't hate this movie, but I don't definitely don't love it. It's very middling for me. Um, and I think something that hurts it the most for me is, is it just feels very much not like a full moon movie. Yeah, uh, it does not feel like a typical full moon movie at all. No. And unfortunately, this would be like one of the last things that Stuart Gordon was ever involved in with full moon producing this and having a, a very minor uh, acting cameo in Trophy Heads. And beyond that, they're just. You know, he really didn't have anything else to do with Full Moon, so I think it's notable for his his involvement. But overall, I mean, this might be you know for like a random viewer, it might be something that could like appeal to a non Full Moon fan, maybe, uh, maybe like Conjuring type of people. You know, yeah, yeah, a, a smidge sleazier, but not too sleazy that it could be on Skinamax at three in the morning. So uh, for me, it's like I'd give it liberally. uh, I would give it a six. It's which, and again, just to overly state, you know, I don't feel like this is a D movie because to me that, you know, a six would be like a 60%. I don't feel like it's a D movie. I feel like it's maybe like a, a, like a C or C minus, but um, giving it a seven just feels uh, not correct. So I'm going to give it a six. Feels like you're being generous. I am. I am. Um, I'm coming in way lower, sir, and I'm sorry because I know you. You, uh, you might have had high hopes for this one when you sent it to me, but uh, I was really let down. I know you said how it said you said a few moments ago that it doesn't feel like a D movie. It it really does for me. It, it's really a letdown on every kind of level, other than a few interesting uh, effect shots, 
uh, some of the flashback footage that takes place in the 20s looks good. The effects, when they do show them towards the end, look good. But I was really disappointed. Um, I feel like I'm even being generous with this, but uh, I, I hate to say it, but I'm giving it a three. I'm coming in way low. <laughs> but if we all thought the same way on, on a movie, that, like I often say, there'd only be one kind of movie and it'd be very boring out there. But yeah, Deathbed, it, it's just... Yeah, just not very good. I, I can't even think to myself of ever needing a reason to see it again. And I hate saying that because I love me some full moon. But I think you said it best. It just doesn't feel like a full moon. It's not it doesn't have the normal pizzazz. You know, even when full moon has done really, really low budget stuff, you know, really, you know, even what some people would probably consider bottom of the barrel stuff. I'm still highly entertained and I'm still having a really good time. Even I think I gave, you know, like a Killjoy a two or a three. I would watch Killjoy ten times before I watched Deathbed again. Deathbed just really, really just uh, rubbed me all sorts of wrong ways. But that being said, I'm still glad I, I have seen it because I am a completist and I want to see each and every movie to formulate my own opinion. And, you know, folks, just because... You know, I've, I've said here that I've given it a three doesn't mean, you know, that uh, I'm not trying to tell you to not watch it because you may find something in it that you find redeemable. There's something that you like better than I did. So still seek it out and see it, you know, and uh, formulate your own opinion and then maybe come back and tell me whether or not you liked it. And if you did, tell me why you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah I got to give it a three. A three. There's clearly some. uh movies we need to watch <laughs> <laughs> that will instate a proper three but i can understand your i can understand your decision to give this movie a three uh it leaves i was expecting i was expecting a really fun movie and i just didn't get a fun movie yeah it, it leaves i think it leaves a lot to be desired there's a lot of um things that could have probably been done with it that weren't so Yep. But again, you know, out of, you know, so many movies that we've reviewed, we're on about the 20th review here or so. This is the first one that I can really say that I wouldn't watch again. And, and, you know, out of a a 20 movie run so far to say there's only one movie that doesn't have for me that doesn't have rewatchability, I think is a good run. Yeah, this is probably like your lowest rating. Yeah, yeah, it's probably about my lowest rating. I may have given about the same rating to Killjoy, but Killjoy, I would have to say, is still a fun movie to watch. So I'll leave it at that. But that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. I know we're both on a tight schedule uh, tonight and got some things to do. Uh, We got better things to watch, right? We won't say what, but we definitely have better things to watch tonight. But but that being said, uh, thank you, Dustin, for squeezing this one in tonight. I know we were supposed to do it a few evenings ago and everything got a little uh, jacked up once we realized we scheduled a show on Halloween. And how can you record something on Halloween? We got to watch horror movies and hand out candy to people. So but thanks again for uh, taking some time out of your schedule to do this show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure. Well, folks, I want to thank you all for once again tuning in to Cinema Degenerations Howling at the Full Moon. Remember, click, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, go to the Podbean account. Drop us a review. Drop us a, a, a rating. You know, Give us a five-star rating if you want. Give us a one-star rating even if that's what you feel we deserve, but give us a rating if you can. 
Uh, so, you know, click those links, subscribe, like our posts, and keep help us getting the word out there. And we'll keep bringing you more full moon goodness. <laughs> nice place to hide your skeletons. <laughs> Hey, where does this go? That goes absolutely nowhere. <laughs> nowhere? <laughs> I don't know. I never got a key for it. Uh, probably some old storage room or something. <laughs>